Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church Texas. God bless you. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this series called Max Out. This is our final message in that series. Next week, we will launch our Unstoppable series. It'll be a four-week series. You do not want to miss next Sunday. Uh, As we kick off Unstoppable, we're going to show you the full updated uh, vision of the church. You're going to get to see incredible uh, images and photos of what our new building will look like. And the vision of this series, as we go through this, we're going to take a spiritual journey It will all be on together as we walk this out. We have uh, some fasting uh, and prayer initiatives planned as well that you guys can join us on. And we're just believing for God to speak to us in a powerful way. The word that God spoke over our church is unstoppable. He's doing something in us and through us that no one can stand in the way of. No one can stop what God wants to do in and through you. And so this is an exciting series. And on the very last uh, week of that series, in Jesus' name, we will finish that series in our new building. Isn't that exciting? Very exciting. Uh, I've got some great uh, footage or got some great images this week. Been in the building, been up there almost every day. Uh, Really fun right now. And carpet just went in, flooring just went in. Uh, We've got a few little projects left. Continue to pray uh, for us. Pray for favor with the fire marshal in the name of Jesus. Keep praying that prayer. Favor with the fire marshal. Father, fire marshal's gonna say yes, 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 and amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, as we finish this out tonight, we're going to talk specifically about the topic of tenacity as we walk through this last message of Max Out. But I want to take just a second and I want to bring up this subject. How many of you at some point in time in your life had a hard time being alone? Uh, There was a season in my life where I was so insecure that I had to be with someone almost at all times. I couldn't not have a girlfriend. I couldn't not be with my buddies. I had to always be around people because I was dealing with a level of insecurity that I needed backup wherever I was. And if I was ever alone, I really struggled. And it was a season like that where all of a sudden I find myself at about 17 years of age going through a, an ugly breakup and, and my best friend, I literally was in the middle of rededicating my life and I had to separate uh, from my very best friends because I couldn't live for the Lord and stay with my best friends. And I had to walk out a journey alone. And it was in that season that I began to encounter God for the very first time. Some of us, and now I gotta tell you, after pastoring for 20 years, I love being alone. There's just, I I have to spend so much time alone now because when you're in the people uh, industry and and you're helping people and serving people all the time, the only way that I can have what I need to have to give to you is if I spend a ton of time alone. So now I love alone time. Uh, But in the past, I wasn't able to handle that. And everyone's different. There may be people right here right now that are still in that phase of their life and they don't do well when they're alone. But guys, there are parts of our life There are specifically roads that we have to walk that no one else can go on that part of the road with us. There are times, some roads you must go alone. And as we go into the next part of our story today, you're gonna see 
uh, Jacob as he has to spend some time alone to prepare for what God wants him to walk through. There's a verse in scripture, Philippians 2 verse 12 and 13. Verse 13 says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you and will to will and to act according to fulfill his good purpose. See, there are things that you can only work out sometimes when you're alone with God. When you're with other people, uh, you can lean on other people. You can glean from other people. But when God gets you alone, he can work out things in you and you can work out portions of your faith. It's interesting that the scripture says that you work out your faith with fear and trembling. That doesn't sound very inviting, but there's a part of our walk with God that is supposed to be connected to this place of reverence and respect and weightiness of how serious this is. Guys, this is a life and death uh, decision that we've made when we accepted Jesus Christ. And our salvation, although it didn't cost you anything to earn it, there is a journey that you walk out and there is suffering and there are things that you're going to endure. And there are times in your life that God will separate you from everything. He may separate you from a relationship. He may separate you in a marriage. He may separate you from work. He may separate you from your finances. He may separate you from your children. He may separate you from your spouse. Did you know there are times that Jennifer and I have had to work things out individually even though we were still married? There were things I had to walk out alone she couldn't fix for me. Things that she had to walk out alone I couldn't fix for her. I can't replace Jesus for her and she can't replace Jesus for me. There are times that the only one that you can be with is him. And the reality is sometimes God will quarantine you. We've walked and experienced a level of quarantine in this last year we've never have known before in America. But God has been quarantining people forever. There are times where God will say, "Mm -mm, nope, and he'll literally remove people, separate, and you can get really upset and feel like people have turned their back on you, feel like people aren't there for you. Why aren't they texting me back? Why aren't they calling me back? God is separating you, and he's not allowing them to be there for you because he wants to be your everything. And he knows as long as other people are stepping in and substituting for him. You can never go where he wants you to go or become who he wants you to be. It was in one of those seasons of separation that where God had me alone that I found myself encountering him for the very first time as, a, as an adult. I was about 17. I, I was, it was a Friday night. I'd finished at work and I had gone home because I couldn't go anywhere else. I was trying not to mess up. Uh, anybody, anybody ever been a mess up in life? I was a mess up in life at, at, at a young age and still sometimes right now. Okay. But I was in a season where I couldn't hang out with my friends. I couldn't serve Jesus with my girlfriend that I loved. I had to break that off. I couldn't serve Jesus with my best friend because everywhere I went, he and I were getting in trouble nonstop. We were professionals at getting in trouble. I could tell you story after story about Cricket, but I'm not going to right now. His name was Cricket because he was so skinny, he could rub his legs together and make music. That's what we said about it anyway. Oh my God, I could tell you stories. But God separated me 
and I was alone with him. And it was in that place of being alone with God that I'm coming home from work as a 17-year-old on a Friday night with nowhere to go and no one to hang out with. And so I was with God. And I remember being in my room on the carpet, worshiping God, laying on my face next to my waterbed. Do you guys remember waterbeds? Oh my gosh, what were we thinking? Waterbeds. I love that waterbed. You could hide so much stuff under the mattress of a waterbed, it's incredible. Anyway, praise the Lord. So I remember just being there and worshiping, and it was the first time that Jesus revealed himself to me in a tangible way and revealed his suffering to me that he endured when he was on the cross. I remember literally laying in a ball, weeping at the revelation of the sacrifice, his beard being ripped out, his back being flayed, the skin being ripped off, him, him literally being nailed to the cross, hanging between heaven and earth, beaten beyond recognition. The Bible says that he was marred more than any man previous or since. You couldn't even recognize him as a human. He was so marred in his appearance. And I laid on the floor with a revelation that he did that for me. And I could have never had that encounter distracted by a girlfriend, distracted by a best friend. I could only have that moment alone with him. Let's go to Genesis chapter 32. I want you to see this story where Jacob, we talked through the other part of the story previous where Jacob had prepared, he had prayed, he had gotten a word, he'd sent his offerings off ahead of him, uh, getting ready to meet his brother Esau, and he's, uh, he's, he's scared for his life, he's afraid, he's praying, he's hoping, he's wishing for the best. He sends his family across the river, and he stays on the other side of the river because he needs to be alone with God and prepare for the next day. Verse 22 says, that night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons, and crossed the ford at the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he went over and sent over all his possessions. Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower Jacob, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered, supplanter, grabber, trickster, swindler. Your name will no longer be Jacob. But Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel saying, it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. This is an incredible story. This is a moment in scripture that is called by theologians either a theophany or a Christophany. Although it says that a man came and wrestled with Jacob, we later find out in the story that it was actually God in the flesh, Jesus revealing himself 
Before he was born as a virgin, Jesus has always existed. He's God. He can appear and disappear. He can enter creation, exit creation. There's multiple times in scripture where we see a theophany or a Christophany where, where, where God, Jesus or God is revealing himself to mankind in tangible form for a specific reason. And Jacob wrestles with God. And, and, and I want you to recognize this. Jacob was such a tough guy that God begged him to let him go. Can you, can you grasp this? This isn't, some little, this isn't some little scuffle on YouTube. This is an epic battle that lasted all night long. Day is about to break. And God says, hey, bro, let me go. The sun's about to come up. And Jacob says, I won't let go until you bless me. So God cheated. It says that he touched his hip and wrenched it out of socket. Now, I was reading a commentator, and the commentator from 100 or 200 years ago said that it was possible that the Lord touched him and healed him instantly so that there was no pain. And I said, you pansy, you know nothing about fighting. You're talking about a tough dude. There's no way that you're going to get Jacob to let go if you don't inflict some pain. He's a tough dude. And God is not afraid of you walking through pain. In fact, the rest of the story is that Jacob ends up walking in pain for the rest of his life. So that he would never forget the moment that he wrestled with God, he saw God face to face, and God spared his life and changed his name and called him Israel. Israel means prince of God or specifically one who has struggled with God. Have you ever struggled with God? Have you ever been in a faith fight? This book right here is about a faith fight. Life and death. Heartbreak, sorrow, joy, grace. There's a reason that it says that there's a peace that you can have from Jesus that passes understanding. Because it doesn't make sense. When you're in the midst of the most intense pain and sorrow, yet, yet God is revealing himself to you. And you feel his mercy, you feel his grace in a tangible way. Can I tell you that God is looking for contenders. God is looking for some tough cookies. He's looking for contenders. He's looking for people that will go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him. He's looking for people that have some grit, some tenacity, some determination, some persistence. Don't quit easy. Don't give up easy. Have you noticed that God picked roughnecks all the time? Father Abraham had many sons. Remember this? You said, Father Abraham, and I am one. You remember this? Right foot, left foot. What? Some of you didn't grow up in children's church like I did. Father Abraham was a bad man. Abraham was no wuss. Abraham was a contender. God said, hey, I want you to just get up, pack up your stuff, and go to the wilderness. I'm going to show you a place you're going to live. Okay? Just, just trust me and go. 
It says that he believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. The father of faith, righteousness. But Abraham, when the kings of Sodom and four other cities came and captured Lot, his nephew, and took him off, Abraham rallied his household servants and said, let's go get cousin Lot. And just the servants in Abraham's house went out and battled and defeated five kings and their armies. This is a bad man. This is no sissy. Peter was a sailor. He talked like a sailor. The Bible said he cussed. I know none of y'all cussed because you're so holy. Peter cussed. Peter chopped a dude's ear off for Jesus. Jesus wasn't picking sissies. Paul, Paul was literally going city to city, house to house, arresting people, putting them in jail. These people are literally being, being sold uh, in, into like the, the Roman the army or the, the emperor and all that. And man, Christians died in the Colosseum all the time. They were eaten by lions. This is the story of Christian faith. Paul was a tough cookie. My God, you see one story. It says that he literally lifts off in, it lifts off in one of the stories in Corinthians, one of the chapters in Corinthians. All the different ways they tried to kill him, couldn't kill him. The apostle John, they boiled him in oil and he lived. And he kept preaching, these guys are bad mamma jammas. That's what you call them when you grow up how I grew up. God is looking for contenders. He's looking for people that will struggle with him. Guys, can I tell you that religion wants to domesticate you into simply a rule follower when God is looking for adventurers? It's not about rules and regulations. Is it about holiness? Yes. But it's not about rules and regulations. It's not about what you earn. It's about what you've been given. And one of the greatest things you've been given is an opportunity for the adventure of a lifetime. I mean, if you read the Bible the way I read the Bible, through the lens of adventure, Jesus telling his disciples, hey, I need a lift. I need a ride. I need some wheels. Go into town. Look for a donkey. Steal it. This is, this is Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> Take it. If the owner asks you, say, the Lord has need of your donkey. The Lord has need of your Lexus. The Lord has need of your Jaguar, sir. Come on. Talk, can, you, can you imagine the conversation? The disciples are walking to steal a vehicle for Jesus. You don't think they're talking? These are teenagers, 20-somethings at most. Peter comes, I need some tax money. The JRS is after me. I don't know if that's what it's called. or Maybe it's IRS. It's Israel. Israel, I don't know. I don't know. Jesus tells him, go, go throw a hook in the water. Catch a fish. Open the fish's mouth. There's going to be a gold coin. Can you imagine Peter going, Jesus, you are nuts. Okay, here we go again. 
God's looking for adventurers, people that'll take some risks, people that will contend, people that will go toe to toe. God likes a challenge. You go through scripture after scripture, story after story. God picks challenging people. Samson. Dude, killed a thousand people with the donkey's jaw. Are you kidding me? Sam, Gideon had the guts to take 300 men against 10,000 in battle. The original 300 story. He's looking for contenders. In my prayer time, this is what the Lord said to me. It was a word for me, but I, with all my heart, believe it's a word for you. If you'd like this, I'll copy it. We can send it out uh, via email or whatever to anybody that would like this word. This is what he said. Contend with me. Wrestle with me. Go back and forth and engage with me. Be real with me. I'm not looking for pretty, puffed up pleasantries. I crave real relationship. I'm not afraid of mess. I'm not afraid to get my hands dirty or get down in the fray with you. I made you out of dirt. I got my hands dirty on day one. Don't clean up to come to me. I'm already at your door, knocking, waiting, wondering. Who will let me into their mess? Who will allow me into the process and let me forge a future with them out of the chaos and crisis of life? I want to mix it up. I want to shape you and mold you in and through the formation of your life stages. The potter has his hand on you as he spins you on his wheel. It's sloppy, dirty work, but a masterpiece in the works. And yes, there is fire in your future. No great work is forged without fire. But I will be with you in the fire. I don't leave you while you cook and cure. I am the fire. This is all my work. You are my great work, forged in fire and shaped by my hand. A masterpiece for my glory, displayed for my splendor. I am well pleased in you and I will finish my work and you can see it and and you can see it through to the end. I am your God and I stand at the door and knock. Open the door and let me in. I want to dwell with you every day. You are not in this alone. You're never alone. I am always waiting, wanting craving to be welcomed into the mess of your everyday life. Nothing is too small or petty. I want to be with you in it all. Let me in. That's the God you serve. It's the God you serve. You don't have to pretty up for him. You don't have to get everything all fixed up and ready Come on, have you ever done the scramble when all of a sudden someone shows up at your door and you're like, hold on a second, trying to clean up real fast before they come in and see how much of a disaster you actually are? And Jesus is like, man, don't clean up for me. Just let me in the mess. Let me be in the process with you. Let me help you clean stuff up. He wants to have that kind of relationship. He's looking for people that will contend with him. He wants real relationship. 
He doesn't want recited prayers. He, he doesn't want ritualistic religion. He wants the real. God wants the real. Can I tell you that my prayer journal has a lot of words and expressions and conversations that I've had with God that are not fit for public consumption? I'm not, I'm not about to have fake religion. I want to really know him. He knows you already, but do you know him? Can you be real with him? Can you be vulnerable with him? Can you tell him how you really feel? What about how you really feel about him? There was a time um, after our daughter died that I, I was pastoring, and when you're pastoring and you go through a death like that, I, um, we took a couple weeks off, but man, I had four or 500 kids I was leading as their youth pastor. And I, and I, had, to, I, had, to, I had to buck up. I had to be a leader. I, I had kids that had been fasting and praying with us for almost a year. They were devastated. And I, I, had, to, I had to get back in the saddle. And I didn't know what I believed anymore. <laughs> Guys, that's a dangerous place to be as a pastor. When you, when I'm literally, I'm going to pretend your book is a Bible, Tepper, real quick. Just pretend with me. It's that holy anyway. But I'm holding my Bible and I'm like, I'm like, I don't know if I believe any of this. But I, but I know you're real. And I know you speak to me. And I know I've experienced you. I don't know about this anymore, God. I don't know about what other people say about you. I got to know what you say right now. And in my, place of, in my place of emptiness, in my place of weakness, God revealed himself to me in the most incredible way. But if I could be really honest with you, I, I answered all of the questions and dealt with everything intellectually because I had to function and I had to cope and I had to perform and I had to lead and I had unresolved issues inside of my spirit and my psyche that were bubbling up. And every year I would go through these waves of, of life where, where out of nowhere I would literally become so reckless. I was reliving the grief. Twice a year I would relive the grief of when we found out she had brain cancer and how our world spun out of control every spring. I would completely fall off the wagon. I would become so reckless. I wouldn't care. I mean, I was, literally I, was, I would go out of control in grief all still trying to lead as a spiritual leader. I'd pull myself out of it. I'd get into a better place. I'd get through the summer. Things were going well. And then we hit the fall, and the fall is when she died. And I would crater again in the fall, and I would fight my way through the holidays. And sometime in January, I would begin to come back to a place where I would begin to be healthy again, and I would make it a few months until April. Start all over again. And I was cratering. And I remember going to a counselor. Some of y'all remember Jerry Ruffin. I love that man. I went to Pastor Jerry and he asked me five questions. And every question he asked me, I instantly responded, well, of course I don't feel that way. Well, of course I know that. And then instantly I would begin to just weep uncontrollably because I had dealt with it intellectually. 
but I had never dealt with it in my heart. Questions like, do you blame yourself for her death? Of course I don't. But maybe I could have lived more holy. Maybe if I'd have fasted more. Maybe if I'd have prayed harder. Maybe if I'd have been more righteous. Maybe she would have. Guys, I'm telling you, the devil will mess with you. But the biggest question was, do you blame God? Of course I don't blame God. I love God. I trust God. Do you really? And I began to weep. I never admitted how angry I was at God. I was so angry at him. Oh, he, he could have skadooshed just a pinky finger. He could have healed my daughter. He could have protected me from being abused as a, as a, as a five-year-old. He could, have, he could have saved me from all of that. The grief, the pain, just a flick of his finger. But he didn't. And I didn't realize that I had lived decades of my life being my own God. Because I didn't trust him. I'll be my own defender. I'll be my own protector. I'll be my own provider. It took me getting real enough to tell God how angry I really was. To admit to myself, to stop the fake religious. Guys, we can be really fake. Because we don't want to be out of faith. And if you grew up like I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, like it's like Jesus has a spring home there or something. It's so holy there. And, and, and I mean, the faith teaching that I grew up in, incredible faith teaching, incredible faith teaching. Oral Roberts, Kenneth Hagin, Billy Joe Doherty, you name it, Willie George. Some of the greatest faith teachers we've ever seen came out of that, of that, that movement. And I was taught that when you, when, when you, when you plant a seed of faith, if you have any doubt, it's like digging up that little seed. And like in kindergarten, when you put the little bean in this styrofoam cup, and if you keep digging it up, it's never going to grow. You're going to kill your seed. And, and so I, I had to fake my faith because I couldn't dig up that little seed. So you just cover it over it, and you, you fall into the trap of being a fake faith person. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm just blessed and highly favored of the Lord. His mercy shines upon me. And you're fake. You got duct tape on your car holding the door shut. It's not okay. Somebody's dying in your family. Horrible things are happening. Oh, I'm just blessed and highly favored. No, you're a disaster. You can admit that. God is looking for people to be real with him. Not make fake statements that they don't even really believe because they know the internal struggle. But they don't want people to look at them bad, so they... Cover everything over with fake conversation. How you doing? Huh? Been better. Could use some prayer right now, actually. Could use a little backup. What's wrong with being real, guys? He's looking for the real. 
Are you for real? Are you for real with him? Can you be that real with him? See, it was in my admitting to God how angry I was. Coming to the place where I forgave God. He didn't do anything wrong, but I had to forgive him. Not for him, but forgive him for me. I couldn't get free because I wouldn't forgive him. I had to forgive him for my offense against him. See, it's hard for us to understand the sovereignty of God. That God will allow us to go through horrific things because he sees the end result and he knows that that struggle, that contending, that battle, that horrific thing that you thought you couldn't make it through. I don't tell this little part of the story very often because I don't like to. But my daughter O'Neill, I prayed the exact same prayer over her every single night of her life. I rocked her to sleep every single night of her life, uh, all the way up, uh, you know, through until we lost her. And, and I prayed the same prayer. I, and I, I literally every night the same thing: Father, whatever I have to go through in life, just don't let anything ever happen to her, because that's the one thing I know I can't make it through. I prayed that prayer every night of her life. The one thing I knew. I couldn't make it through is the one thing God knew I would. You know what happens when you make it through the thing that you didn't think you could make it through? You realize you can make it through anything. You realize the devil's got nothing. He's got nothing left to throw at you. I can lose everything. I can lose my wonderful wife. I can lose my kids. I can lose this church. I can lose you. I can lose everything. And as long as I have him, I'm going to make it. It may not be pretty. It may be ugly. It may be horrible. But he'll be with me. And I'll make it. Guys, I'm telling you. He's looking for contenders. He's looking for people to be real. He wants a real relationship, not fake prayers. So how tenacious are you? J Jacob wrestled Jesus into submission. I'm talking, when I think of Jacob, I think of like Conor McGregor, just UFC, just swat, just. <laughs> Man, the, <laughs> it can, now can you imagine Conor with his hip out of place? I mean, took his, took his swagger a little bit. Took his but Jacob was a bad dude. He was a tough dude. Tenacious. How tenacious are you? How quick do you give up? Are you like bulldog tenacious or wiener dog tenacious? <laughs> now I gotta tell you, I watched like wiener dog fights one time. You can find it on YouTube. They're ferocious. I didn't mean to insult the wiener dog but it just looks really funny. You know what I mean? It just looks really funny. I don't watch dog fights. I'm sorry, that was, I don't know when Michael Vick stuff coming after me, I don't know. How tenacious are you? Are you willing to stay in the fight? Are you willing to wrestle and contend? Guys, we just came through a heck of a year. We're hoping 2021's really good. We'll see. Things could get worse. 
but he's with us. And as long as we're tenacious, as long as we know, let, don't let go. See, you've got to, that statement, I won't let go until you bless me. Guys, that's a statement. That's a mindset. That's a tenacious mindset that we as the believers, the followers of Jesus Christ, I would encourage you, if you've never read the book, Fox's Book of Martyrs, I would highly, highly encourage and recommend you to read the book, Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's the record of every single one of, of Jesus' disciples, and literally the, the most famous followers of Jesus Christ for hundreds of years after Jesus ascended into heaven, and how they all died for their faith, burnt alive, boiled alive, crucified, skinned, horrific stuff. And they would literally walk into it. I'm talking bad, bad mamma jams. Walk into it. Bring me your worst. I'll never bow. I'll never deny him. I'll never back down. I'm talking about real believers. Fearless. Tenacious. That's what God's looking for. I won't let go until you bless me. I'll give you just a couple of really practical things and we'll pray and we'll close and then we'll have popsicles apparently it'll be wonderful <laughs> be tenacious with God the phrase ask and you shall receive seek and you will find knock and the door will be opened the, the tense that that is in when Jesus said that phrase it's called a perpetual tense it means asking 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 seeking 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 knocking 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 be tenacious with your prayers well, if I pray it over and over again, does that mean I didn't really believe it the last time? No. Jesus said when he told a story of a woman or, or a neighbor, he told a story a couple different times, he told different stories. But this one specific story, and I believe it was uh, Mark 11, he tells a story of, of uh, a neighbor who comes knocking in the middle of the night. He needs some bread, I need some bread. And he wouldn't, and, and the neighbor is telling him, go away, I'm already in bed with my family. Go away, come back tomorrow. But the neighbor kept knocking, 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 knocking. And he drove his neighbor so crazy that his neighbor finally said, fine, fine, take the bread, just leave me alone. And then Jesus said, pray like that. Tenacious prayers, relentless prayers. Pray real prayers, not religious ones. Talk the way you talk. Talk the way you talk. Don't, don't go, oh, Father, my Father, thy Father, just, 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 holy, holy, just, my Father, I Father, oh, Lord, holy, Father, I, just talk. I don't say, oh, Brandon, my Brandon, I hope that you, oh, Brandon, come and see with me, Brandon, till we go to the store, oh, Brandon, maybe have a milkshake, oh, Brandon. I don't ever, come on, it's so weird. Just talk. <laughs> Tenaciously seek to know God for real. I don't read the Bible to check a box. I, I don't go to my little version Bible app to make sure that I feel good about myself so I don't miss a day. So I just go on there real quick and click on it and then click off and I keep my, my score running. I only read my Bible for one reason. 
I want to know him for real. I want to know his voice. I want to know him. I want him to speak to me. When I read my Bible, I read my Bible for as long as it takes until I hear him. If it's one verse, it's one verse. If it's one chapter, if it's one hour, I have one goal. I want to hear him. I want to know him. Be tenacious. Seek to know him. Communicate your real desires. Did you know he put desires inside of you? He buried desires that he wants for you inside of the fabric of who you are. Communicate your real desires to him. Express your real emotions to him. Don't fake it. Don't cover it over. He can handle it. Well, Joel, when I get mad, I, sometimes I use language I shouldn't use. Yeah? So did Peter. I got some language in my prayer journal when I was in a really low place. Doesn't happen often. But I've had some really real conversations with God. And I just wrote it down. You know, he didn't judge me. He'll meet you right where you are at the moment. I remember one last quote I'm gonna share with you. It's a quote from Oral Roberts, who was a spiritual leader in my family. My, both of my grandfathers and both of my grandmothers and my dad all worked for him. And that's a ministry heritage that we share. Oral had a plaque on the front of his desk. And it literally said, make no small plans here. Make no small plans here. You don't have a small God. You got a big God. Make some really big plans. Pray some really big prayers. Have some really big desires. Be really real with him. He wants you to know him. We pray for you. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.